0: Hello, welcome back to another episode of Growing Lean. This is your host, Ethan Halfide, founder of Lean Discovery Group, which is a sponsor of this podcast. I'm here with Marsha Dashko. She is an author, a strategic leadership transformational leader, and a keynote speaker. Welcome, Marsha.
1: Thank you very much, Ethan. I'm happy to be here.
0: Very happy to have you here. I, I know you wrote a book not too long ago, and we see the you know pivot, disrupt, and transform Tell us about the backstory about how you got to a place to where you were like, this needs to be out in the market.
1: Oh, so the beginning, I, I've had a first career in marketing and corporate communications and my background there, coming out of journalism and an English major, master's in mass comm. So then I started working for a small boutique consulting firm owned by Dr. Perry Gluckman, But he worked with huge corporations to teach them um, how to transform their themselves, their leadership, and their organizations and sometimes it meant a turnaround sometimes it meant scaling them times 10 and his friend um was dr w edwards deming and dr deming is the person who went to japan after world war ii at the invitation of general macarthur and he helped them become a global competitor then he came back to the u.s in the 80s And worked with the CEOs of Ford and General Motors to help save our auto industry. So when I began working in Perry's firm to do marketing, then he said to me one day, I want you to do business development. I said, what am I selling? And he sent me off to Dr. Deming's four-day seminar. And at the time, Dr. Deming was giving several of his four-day workshops per month. And some to the public, some to General Motors and to Ford employees and managers. And so I began to learn and I ended up going to 20 of his four-day seminars. He said to me, they both said to me, basically, we didn't use that word mentor back then, but they both mentored me. And I had two of the most amazing teachers who taught me the Deming philosophy of management And how to apply it. And that's also then why I went on to consult for almost 30 years and write my my book, Pivot, Disrupt, Transform. I teach MBA classes. I write a weekly column about leadership for the Silicon Valley Business Journal. So everything, all the the dots and the stars just began connecting. That's my career.
0: I know we talked offline about that a little bit. What gave you that inspiration to pursue this? The Silicon Valley Business Journal, correct? Yes. Uh, you mentioned you used to write a column there, and you wanted to write, you know, a monthly column, and then they said, "No, this is going well. Let's do weekly." How, did, how you know? What gave you the idea to pursue that, and what was like the incentive as well? Because that's probably a lot of work.
1: Yes, it um, it's been such. I, I don't even know the word for it. It's been a blessing in a way because it has kept me really focused and disciplined every week to write a column. And so when I reached out to um, the editor, Josh, and I said, I would like to, I'd like to be the the Ann Landers of leadership. I'd love to help um, small and medium and the even the large company um, people, whether they're in employees or they're managers or executives, I want to help them when they're struggling. If they want to ask, email me a question, I will answer it in the business journal column. And yes, it became weekly. Uh, so I've been doing that for it'll be almost five years wow. in October, I think.
0: That's awesome. Wow. So, and has that brought customers to you? Has that been like a growth channel for you?
1: It's, you know, I get a lot of fantastic feedback. People email me and thank me and ask me more questions in more depth. So I get customers non-paying because I I will help them whenever they reach out. But yes, it has also um, brought customers e- e- either through the column or through LinkedIn, people read and they question and then they identify, they they have the courage to reach out when they're struggling. And I have to give them a tremendous amount of respect for doing that because there are so many um, business owners and managers executives out there that will struggle and struggle and struggle but they won't reach out and ask for help they have a title and they assume i should know all the answers no one ever said that they should know all the answers when they got promoted or when they took a job they should really always be um learning and questioning And the best way to do that is to have an outside coach where they can talk about anything. Um, One company president that I worked with for three years um, on a monthly basis and helped his company scale, he said, "Marsha, it's so lonely at the top. I can't even talk to some of the VPs who I'm close to about some of these issues, about my personal fears. So if I didn't have you to talk to, I don't know who what I would do. And so I've heard that over many times over the years. And I I think executives more than ever need to have a sounding board. They need someone that will ask them tough questions, that won't give them easy answers. And, but we'll be their best advocate and teacher and, you know, bring out their best potential. It's, it's That's significant. It's essential.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, the and I, I see the book title, it's such a great book title, Pivot, Disrupt, Transform. And I would love to know, it seems like a three-phase strategy that can help a business undergo transformation and grow, right? But walk us through, like, if we were to read that book, what is that strategy that you outlined for us?
1: So it it is a strong, powerful title, and I didn't really think about that. It was even, in fact, challenging to remember those words. But then pivot once the pandemic hit. I think I've heard it a million times, and I'm like, okay, I'm tired of that word. I'm even tired of that word. But um, as, as I put in the book, the strategy is a bit of strategic leadership questioning. and it starts with there's a self-assessment in the book. It's also people can go to my website and take the self-assessment and see how they do. And um, if they answer 50% of the questions correctly, then they should self-reflect and say, oh, I didn't, you know, I'm um, I have room for improvement. So I need to learn. I need to study. I need to read. I need to listen to YouTube videos. I was listening to one yesterday by Dr. Russ Aikoff, a fantastic, you know, professor and mentor. And um, I think that so the the book is lays out the strategy in three holistic ways. Um People need to identify and recognize best practices and management fads and buzzwords that have infiltrated their organization, and they need to stop those. So that's step number one. Look at your organization and stop doing practices that are harming your organization, your people, and creating those problems that are hard to solve, like high turnover or um, lower um, customer retention or lower quality or more complexity or too much waste in the organization, too many fears. There are many things when I walk into an organization and I generally see between 50 to 80 percent of waste and complexity. Mm. And because the management team and the employees have gotten used to it. That's just the way it is around here. They, they don't see that they their job is to reduce reduce the fear and the waste and the complexity. And if they do that, sometimes they can scale their business times three, times five, times 10. And I can see the the potential, the possibilities, the opportunities when I go in and do the assessment for a week or two, depending on size of the organization. But there are many things, they. number one, they need to stop doing. Then there are new ways to start thinking and learning, a new foundation of management that they need to learn. And then step three is applying it. So that's kind of the strategic um, vision is to what do we need to stop doing? How do we need to start thinking differently? And how do we apply the new thinking and philosophy of management?
0: Absolutely. So, you know, now I want to say, you know, how have you adapted to the changes in your industries over the years? Because you bring up, you know, that you can hop into a business and you're helping them undergo transformation. And especially with COVID happening what three or four years ago now, which is hard to say, people are still getting COVID. But you know, within the business landscape, it changed. A lot of companies went fully remote that weren't remote before. They're fully on-site now. There's hybrid companies, and how did you adapt to those changes in those companies?
1: So for for myself or for what I saw in companies, I, yeah, I well, we all had to pivot, right? Um, some coped and some hunkered down. (laughs) And so it was A to Z. Uh, Some people, um, the COVID brought out so many different kinds of fear. And we really saw leaders step up. And it was at home, at work, in sports, across the board, in every industry, across the nation. We saw People either naturally step up into their own leadership or we saw them almost crash and burn, you know, Mm -hmm. the stress and the, the um, lack of connection that they struggled with. Um, I I saw it, you know, very locally. Um, I saw such wide array of examples in business and in in families you know that i knew i was so proud of my family my son and daughter-in-law and their children it was the the pivot was so well that's the the definition of pivot is you know a uh, a fundamental often abrupt and rapid change mm-hmm. going in the opposite direction and they did that um the the ch- the two children were obviously in school they were set to go into sports championship games um my granddaughter was going to be i think the lead um singer dancer in the school play and two days later it was cance- it was all canceled and so they did the uh, the the my son and daughter-in-law did a, a rapid pivot to help the cho- help themselves and their, their children. And I think, you know, neighborhood and their bubble friends and stuff, pivot and cope. And too many um, people, parents, teachers, um, workers, managers, they didn't do that. They um, instead, they struggled to cope. It impacted their families. It impacted their work teams, their companies. Um, And so the ability always to be able to adapt, to, to pivot, to look at new possibilities and opportunities. Um, is essential. it's it's important for a family. It's important for a team, for a classroom, for a business. And uh, i I wrote a cover story for the Silicon Valley Business Journal shortly after the the beginning of the pandemic. And um, I interviewed, I think six or seven um executives who pivoted their organizations or one of them created a nonprofit. And what he did was so, so many small businesses, well, small and mid-sized businesses were immediately crushing, right? Because they were struggling. They couldn't run their coffee shop or their cafe or their um, boutique sales Operation, because they had to close the doors. And what this what this executive did was he pulled together. He started with UC Santa Cruz students and the some uh, professor or two from there. He pulled the the students who had planned to be interns and who planned to start their first job but they're high tech savvy right he pulled them together whoever wanted to volunteer and he got a list of um companies small businesses from santa cruz and he merged he brought the two together and he said students can you help these small businesses pivot what they do and how they serve their customers so they had never had to go online before, have online menus, um, do either deliveries or have the customers come and pick up you know, a dinner at the door. And so they put the two together and those businesses, there were more than 80 of them, I think survived through the pandemic or the initial part of it because then they were able to still do business not in the same way. So they didn't have customers coming into the restaurant and sitting down and having dinner, but they still made dinners and put them out into the community and either delivered or customers picked up. So that's an example of the pivots that went on during that time. And I think that businesses any size are always facing some challenges, small or large. There's a, you know, there's variation in everything we do. And so they need to think strategically about, okay, we're faced with this problem. What are the root causes? Where are those coming from? And how can we improve or innovate in order to serve our current customers our future customers and possibly future markets new new markets
0: absolutely <clears throat> so you know that that's such a good point and let's see if i can communicate this effectively because what i'm trying to say is every business if they if they understand their numbers their unit economics the things that make them tick and you know kind of the health metrics right then they understand how to successfully pivot from there, right? So within your own business or within the businesses that you serve, are there any specific top metrics or KPIs that you use to measure the overall success or health of a company?
1: The most important numbers are unknown and unknowable, as Dr. Deming would teach. And also, the most important measures... um, are quality focused. So-
0: That's more satisfaction or what do you mean?
1: The, so, so you can have quantitative measures, but really when you think about the long-term health and sustainability of businesses, which is just like relationships, those are focused on quality. So if you think about your most important relationships at home or business or, you know, in this in society, in your community, in your neighborhood, how do you measure kindness and love and peace and uh, team members supporting each other and serving customers? And I mean, I can go on and on and on. So those are foundational. They always say, you know, in your business it's all about the relationship it's it's um you're serving each other to have a strong supportive team working to get learning working improving and innovating together so that's your internal customers to and serving your external customers and markets and community and society so so, I always look, you know, overall, are people is is the organization and what they're trying to accomplish? Are they having those qualitative measures? Are they are the employees happy? Do they trust each other? Do they communicate well? Um, and then you take, what's our compelling purpose? That's the strategic, What's our compelling purpose that we're trying to achieve together? So aim, by what method? Those are fundamental questions that I have in a tool that I have in the, the book and, and also on the website called the strategic compass. And I always say, if an executive team can use that one pager with those five questions on the strategic compass, they can probably survive and thrive. And so that's um those are the measures that really matter. Yes, you you found foundationally, financially have to survive, be viable. Um, and you want, you know, most organizations want to grow, some, some don't. They say we'd rather have we'd rather stay here growing as you know, too complex. We don't want to really do that. We have our customer base. We're very happy and content and so forth. That's fine. Um, but I think it's, I really want to stress the qualitative measures as well, because so many organizations um, focus on the the quantitative measures. And if they focus there, as I said, once to a, I was giving a speech to two hundred. CEOs in Wisconsin. And I asked them, why are you in business? And some, you know, shouted out to make a profit. And I said, you're on your way out of business. If your focus is to make a profit, then they need to pivot their thinking. That's not strategic leadership. That's just manage and there's a big difference between leading people and managing a business and if you're not doing the two together you're you're going to suffer you're going to be sub-optimized so um i said no your aim your compelling purpose why you're in business why do you get up every day is it just to make the money because if it's that it's kind of not it's kind of empty inside so um because you can have so much money and still not be happy. I've seen many, many people in that situation, but if they have a compelling purpose that makes a difference in their lives and society and so forth, um, that's, that's what's meaningful. Um, and that's, I think what people are looking for at the end of the day, they're looking for meaningful relationships
0: Absolutely. And a meaningful cause that they can get behind. Right. So that's that's we have to wrap up here. We're running out of time. So, you know, I want to give you some time. You know, how, if someone's looking to get in touch with you, Marsha, whether it's through reading your book or through getting in contact with your email, how can they get in touch with you?
1: So uh the probably the, one of the easiest ways is to go to LinkedIn and invite me to connect or message me on there um yeah pick um, go to Amazon and pick up the book it's available on um in hardcover on Kindle and audible and many people my I know a lot of my clients who listen to it, even multiple times on audible. So those are probably the best ways to, you know, to reach out. I've got, you know, my website, which is full of resources. So I invite people to go to m-go.com and, um, and just reach out to me. Uh, all the contact information is also in the book and yeah, email me or call me and I'm happy to help.
0: Awesome. Marsha, thank you so much. This has been an amazing conversation. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you.